Welcome to the Creative Plane Podcast Network. Join us as we review our favorite RPGs, collectible card games, MMOs, video games, PC games, and bring up interesting topics and things that we'd like to share with everyone. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Writers are bad people, you guys. No, 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 we're just creative. Speaking of which, does anyone want a lollipop? How am I supposed to talk around the lollipop? I don't know, but I'm going to do it. They can have lollipops. It's, it's a trick to keep everyone in the audience quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. I want to encourage speakers. I remember one of the panels I went to with the writers, and they said the only difference between uh, my uh, browser history and the serial killers is there's probably enough random other stuff that the CIA has figured out. I think it's a writer. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I'm just like, I mean, Google must be judging me constantly because what was the thing that I just, oh, God. I am, um, uh, so I'm, I'm writing the second one of these comic books, which is an adaptation of this woman, Bonnie Jo Campbell's work, and her work is very dark. It's called Rural Noir. And, and it's all these people who live sort of outside of Kalamazoo, Michigan, and they're all like drug addicts or being like violently physically abused. So the first story in the book is this very short story where there's a 13-year-old girl and her parents and they're on the porch of their house and they open the door. It's like a summer cottage. Uh, and these people have broken in and they've been using it to cook meth and then they left. Um, and there was a girl that they had basically um, allowed to come in and they exchanged drugs for sex. And the girl is 16 and she's been there all week after the guys leave. Um, and as the 13-year-old is walking in the front door, the 16-year-old is sneaking out the back door, and it's sort of uh, the girl going through the house and like seeing what's happened in this week. And then the last thing she finds is a cum-stained mattress on the back porch. And so I'm like googling for reference images for like kitchen destroyed by meth dealers and cum-stained mattress. And the worst part of it is I didn't even get any relevant hits for cum-stained mattress. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> that might be At some point, you have to put the plus sign between the two words. You Google find it correctly. <laughs> the, the exact line that the original author wrote is more jism than the mother has ever seen in her life. And then. <laughs> See, if you Googled that, maybe you would have After I illustrated the final panel of more jism than the mother has ever seen in her life, and I went to my husband and I was like, what do you think of this picture? (laughs) And I was like, it's supposed to be more jism than the woman has ever seen in her life. And she said, my husband said something to the effect of like, possibly I've seen more jism than the mother had in the story, but... (laughs) 
Anyway. <laughs> Anyone can write. Anyone can write. <laughs> Welcome to our panel. Or should they? Let's do this. Okay, so yes. Fun. Yes, uh, it is after 6 o'clock, so whether or not we like it, that is our segue into our panel. Anyone can write. Uh, Good job. Yes. Thank you. Or draw, but anyway. Or draw, yes. Um, I am your moderator, KJ Kabza. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so ready. Um, I write. Uh, I write short science fiction and fantasy. I've uh, sold short stories for about the past 15 years to so over uh, 40 different places, about 70 different stories. Um, my debut print collection is coming out in January. The Rams had algorithm and other stories. Here's my subtle marketing message as per request of my publisher. No, it's not it's not gonna be quite that kind of metal. It's only six PM. I know. Um, you, <laughs> no, it won't it won't say it. We tried that. Uh, if you want, you can pre-order it now on Amazon Barnes and Noble or Anybound if you want more information about it. Uh, come up afterwards, uh, grab a business card, a pen, or back issues of uh, these magazines in which you can read a sample of my work for free. Um, in addition to my professional work, uh, I have also some fan fiction floating around in the grain out there. Uh, I also have some work under a different name in the furry fandom, um, and I've written and drawn the green cards, uh, I've done eulogies, wedding toasts, I've written poetry for friends, journals for myself, so I've written all kinds of things, and not just for uh, my name is Monica Friedman. I've been writing speculative fiction for about 30 years, although I am less widely published than KJ is, but you can buy my novel The Hermit on Amazon. Um, and I have a few short short stories that are published, and uh, also you can buy this comic book if you want. It does not feature a post-name mattress in it, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's got some uh, other choice stuff in it that you might be interested in if you're interested in stuff like that. Um, <laughs> And I, uh, I have an MFA in creative writing from uh, Western Michigan University, and um, and I've done some teaching of writing also. I'm Mir Domsky. Um, my fourth published short story is in this charity anthology, um, Iron Doves, and all of the money goes to um, the Doves program, which protect, uh, helps protect people from domestic violence stalking. Um, things like that, about information about um, resources for people who are maybe um, in a bad situation on the back. Um, I made a mistake of getting a degree in creative writing from the U of A. Um, was the mistake the degree or was the mistake the U of A? Bull, I think. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and I have also written many, many things for, for no money. Um, the weirdest one was probably the epic poem about my friend's boobs for her birthday. Mm -hmm. um, her boobs rescued a princess from, I think it was an ogre? I've also written in that genre. Rescue? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, general kind of. <laughs> I like that really evasive answer. Erotic friend fan fiction. Oh, sure. sure. Yes. In, in, in poetry form. Yes. Was there a lot of butt grabbing? Uh, there was. There was a lot of. It was. It was. It was steamy, but didn't you know? Didn't get anywhere till the end. I guess. Okay. 
I think I think that does it perhaps for an introduction. Or ought to. Or ought to. So this is what this panel is. Uh, we all believe, for various reasons and to various degrees, that anyone can write, everyone should write, or some combination of the two. Uh, we're going to talk about why we believe that, all the fun ways you can start writing or get involved in writing, um, and why you should. Spoiler alert: it's fun. Um, so. We do invite questions and comments from you guys. The audience is small. Uh, I have a note down here saying please raise your hand, but there's only three of you, so probably if you just start talking, it won't be much of an interruption, so feel free. Uh, so I have some introductory questions here um, for the panelists. Why do you believe that anyone can write? All right, so I'm more on the side of everyone should write, and I believe that it's just a very healthy activity in which to engage. I think that journaling is, I mean, I think everyone should journal. I think like, the unexamined life is sort of the life that slips past you and you don't tend to recognize your mistakes or fix them if you're not thinking about them and journaling is a really good way to do that. Um, you know, I'm a person who's, who's lived a lot in my fantasy worlds and so bringing them out of myself and putting them into the world has helped put me into the world and make me a person who's like capable of sitting up here and, and having a conversation or whatever that is, you know, versus like the person who's always in the book or always in my head. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it feels good. It's really good for you just to express yourself however that is. And, and especially, you know, expressing yourself in, a, in journal form because like there's no judgment, right? Like probably no one will read it. If you're lucky, no one will read it. You hope no one reads it. Yeah. And that's the only form of writing that you hope no one ever reads. It's your like personal. I mean, I guess people write poetry Read, some, some people do. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think it's a healthy activity. I think it's it's something that when you do it, you become a better person eventually. That's my thought. I, I agree with Monica. Um, I think, I, I think you need to have a way to express yourself. Um, and whether or not someone else reads it, like, if you don't express yourself, I don't want to say you go crazy, but maybe you go crazy. I mean, I would. That's that's in fact that's my favorite. Um, it's a line from Ray Bradbury. I think he says, "You must stay drunk on writing, so reality does not destroy you." Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from a song was a New York Minute, um, and it's about a guy who throws himself in front of a train. I think the line is, "At some point, at some point, he was too much in this world." And yeah, if I didn't write, if I didn't read, if I didn't do all this stuff, I would be too much in this world. So let's see. Um, I didn't give mine yet. Uh, we, we skipped right over the question of why do you believe anyone can write, so I wasn't sure if we should go back to that yet. But um, So I have, I have this whole other list of, uh, of why I think people should write. I think both of you kind of like Hit the essential, like an like an essential thing about journaling in particular. Um, although I think that there's like there's a lot more to it than that. It's not just journaling. Um, I think it can also be. I mean, maybe it goes without saying, but it can be a good creative outlet. Um, in addition, for it to be like an emotional outlet, for like a safe place for you to sort of like process and put your feelings and figure out who you are. 
Um, this kind of this kind of sounds a little bit silly, but it keeps you occupied. It keeps you busy. I mean, you know, you know the old saying like idle hands are like the, the devil's playground or whatever. If you have a, and and maybe maybe to put it in sort of dumber parlance, but like writing is my anti drug. Like if you, it, it gives you something to do that is healthy and constructive. Um, especially if you have a hard time coping with reality or your life is difficult, you don't turn to other self-destructive behaviors or other ways of spending your time that could be um, expensive, that could be harmful. Um, You're looking at it. I really say this. I would destroy it here, and I thought I would spread around the insight. That's not all. Quit destroying things. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, that's not the case for me, but okay. <laughs> Gonna be self-destructive. No, it's, it's, so, it's so much cheaper than any of my other hobbies. I'll say something else. There was a book that I that I it's like a psychology book, but it's called Every Person's Life is Worth a Novel. And like I think every person's life is worth at least a story. Like and, and I think there are people who don't believe that about themselves. Uh, like I had this terrible writing job um, where but part of it I did get to do some interviews of people and they wanted it specifically people who worked in box offices at like music venues or something and I happen to know a woman who worked in the box office at the Peoria Symphony Orchestra and I was like I'd like to interview you and she said why my job is so boring it's stupid and I interviewed her and so she had some great anecdotes about like uh, people complaining that the trumpets were too shiny and like um, so the pep the best one was uh, the violinist Joshua Bell came to the Peoria Symphony Orchestra. This Peoria, it's cold in the wintertime. She had put her coat down on the table. Joshua Bell put his Stradivarius on top of her coat. So she was without a coat for two days because she couldn't touch this million dollar violin. <laughs> yeah, so every person's life has many stories in it, I feel. And like that story would have been lost if I didn't write it down. Like she didn't think it was cool that Joshua Bell put his Stradivarius on her winter coat, but it was. <laughs> I was thinking more for benefits of writing. I hadn't really given a lot of thought to like the the non the nonfiction work since most of what I do professionally and even for fun is fiction. Um, but we haven't talked about some of these other things yet, um, like the uh, like fan fiction and the role of fan fiction. Like that's not something most people get compensated for, but that that helps you connect with other people. It helps you build community. It helps you give back to yeah. community or to fandom. Um, so like that's definitely huge. I think that that's certainly a benefit of writing. Um, I think we kind of already covered this. I mentioned gives you a break from reality. I mean, even if it's a if it's a cheap hobby, there are people unplug from reality all kinds of ways. Um, you know, that's something you can do. It's funny when you say because you're saying like it's been, it's like you're unplugging, but then you're using it to plug back in to yeah with other people different ways. I yeah. think. Um, so yeah. Um, other other reasons why you should write. Um, I mean, as far as nonfiction goes, to let other people know that they're not alone in their experience. Um, one of the best books I've ever read was, um, and I'm blanking on the name right now, Jenny Lawson's most recent book. Um, the first one was called Let's Pretend This Never Happened. I can't remember now. Anyways, it was about living with um, debilitating mental and physical illness. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but it was funny. And it was sort of like, you know, you could live with all of these problems and still, still find the humor in life. And 
the purpose. And it was just a very self-affirming thing to read. Um, so there's that sort of like the, the communicating with other people, letting people know that they're not the only one. Yeah, and once it exists, it exists forever. Like you can be telling people that they're okay, you know, many years from now after your experience. And um, Jack and I know this writer, Anna Redstands, and she has like this really interesting life story, which is that she was born, she was the child of Dutch Reform missionaries, and she was raised on the Navajo reservation. So she was this white girl, and she spoke Diné, and you know, she really wanted to be Navajo. And I think probably if she had been heterosexual, she probably would have married a Navajo man and stayed there. But she also realized, you know, like very surprisingly to herself that she was gay and there wasn't any place for her um, in either of those communities. And she's, she's about 65, 67 now. And she, it took her 40 years, right, to find her place. And so she wrote this book, um, it's called To Drink From the Silver Cup. And I read it in many different iterations, like because some of it was more focused on the lesbian stuff, some was more on the religion, some was more on the Navajo. She finally figured it out, and she had this book, and she immediately began to shop it to publishers, and like right away someone picked it up. And I was like, you know, good for you, it's a great book. And then she had like an altercation with the managing editor, and she was like, you can't have my book, and furthermore, I don't think I'm ever gonna publish this book. And I was like, what? Somebody's offering to publish your book and you said no. And she was like, I don't know, this and that. She, and she said to me, Monica, who do you think is going to read this book? And I had like a list, right? And I was like, oh my God, like all of these gender studies people and all these religious studies people. And you know, this and I went through and I said, I said, and beyond that, and I said, right now, there's a 12 year old lesbian girl sitting in her room wondering if there's a place for the world in the world for her. She needs your book. Like just publish it for that girl. Um, and she went through this whole other thing, and eventually she found another publisher, and she published the book, and it's been very well received. But like that was a story, and she just thought nobody cares about my story, and I was like, oh my god, like nobody else has that story. That is a unique story. Like you are the only white girl raised on an Indian reservation who speaks Diné and integrated the boarding school dorms, and like all of that stuff. So you, you might think your story doesn't isn't for other people, but other people do want to hear. Even, even if you even if you think you can't write well or you actually can't write well, somebody will want to read your story. I mean, if it's I'm thinking here of like fan fiction that I've read um, or other work that I have read, um, where people just they write whatever they want, and boop, it's up, and there's no there's no kind of gatekeeping. It's just anybody can post whatever, and I will read something and I will think this is terrible, who even likes this? But there will be like 2,000 favorites, 50 comments. So like, it's all somebody, there is an audience out there somewhere for whatever it is that you make. So don't even, yeah, even if, even if you're not skilled, like somebody will like it. Somebody, somebody will think it's great. And um, something else to keep in mind is that even if, even if you do want to write professionally or someday you want to write professionally, everybody has to start somewhere and you can't expect magic right out of the gate. Um, which is not to say that if you you know if you want to improve you shouldn't try, but definitely don't. I think I think that there's this there's this faulty assumption that you have to be a master at anything to enjoy doing it, and that's absolutely not true. In my experience, it actually goes the other way. You enjoy it more before you know what you're not here. You know, once you go to graduate school and you start analyzing it, then you're like, everything I do sucks, and I hate doing this job. But, <laughs> Yeah, I can't sing. I won't sing where other people can hear me. 
but I still do it. Oh, yeah. I play the ukulele very badly and loudly. I like to listen to the ukulele. See, like some of you will always like whatever it is that you make. Exactly. Um, so uh, I also have next on here ways to write and get involved in writing. If, if we have exhausted the topic of why should you write? Oh, how about this? Is there any is there any circumstance or reason under which you think you shouldn't write? Well, you know, it's funny. So when I was younger and I was writing and somebody would like do something that really pissed me off, I would just make them like a petty low-level villain in a story that I was writing. Um, and we definitely like, I mean, I would write these, you know, I mean not erotic friend fanfic, but we had we had this friend I would write stories about my friends and and certainly we did write stories in which we killed all of the people we hated. Um, and like, this is like the 80s and the early 90s. And like now if you do that, you'll be suspended and they'll send you to a psychologist. So like, I'm not saying don't do it, but like don't bring it to, like don't show it to the people who might take offense at it. <laughs> like, like, Are you aware of your audience? Maybe change people's names. Maybe change people's names, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. Some other identifying characteristics. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that anyone shouldn't write, but I think that people, I think people can use anything for bad intent, I guess. Okay. Um, so if like you're writing your like 800 page, you know, Unabomber screed or whatever, like maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should go get help first, but um, I mean, those people don't recognize themselves. So they shouldn't be doing it, but like, what can I say to Hate writing, people who leave bad notes just to hurt somebody. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's yeah. Yeah, because it can yeah. be really hurtful, sure. Like the person who wrote all the notes and stuck them to my back in middle school. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah, that's not a fake thing. And it probably happens. wasn't even that creative, you know? No, it was yeah, poorly exactly. written. Bad I got, yeah, I got them stuck into my locker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this insult before. <laughs> <laughs> like in a Sarah the Bergerac where they like do a lame insult of his nose and he's like, no, that's oh, not yeah. even good enough. And then he insults his nose for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So some people, yeah. Don't use writing for cruel purposes, I guess. Um, what if writing does not make you feel good or you're unhappy with what you produce? If the act of writing doesn't make you feel good, like, well, I mean, why does it not make you feel good? Does it not make you feel good because you're like, you know, 15 years old and you're in high school and they're making you write something terrible? Or is it because you're judging yourself? Um, I mean, if you don't like what you produce, you can always like throw it out or set it on fire and pretend you never wrote it. So I don't know if that's an excuse. So you would, you would argue for try first, sort of like, self-reflect later? I think there are some people who are never, ever, 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 ever gonna like it, like my stepson, for example. Like, I don't see him ever, you know, I don't see him ever writing anything for his own personal pleasure, even though it would probably be great for him and he probably should do it, but I wouldn't force him to do it. Yeah. Any other thoughts about that? Um, no, I think that's, that about covers it. Okay. I would, um, I would, I would uh, draw a distinction between writing that makes you feel bad because you're you're judging yourself, or you're, or you have. I think it's Ira Glass that calls it the the taste gap or the skill gap of like. I've read this. Yeah. Yeah. So like as a so you're you're both a consumer and a creator, 
And if you've been consuming something like writing for a very long time and you just start creating it, your palette as a consumer is very refined, so you know what you want to see. But as a creator, oh. you don't yet have the skills to make it there. So yeah, like, hard. so like, if you first start out, you're like, I'm unhappy with this. This sucks. I should stop doing this. Like, well, do you do you think that because you're being like overly self-critical and you're not giving yourself space to learn, or do you think that because you're just like, I just plain don't like writing, and I would rather express myself sculpting or you know playing the guitar or something? As long as you're expressing yourself some way. Yeah, but it's like if you start and you're like, I'm not good at this, then you sort of miss that. Like, I mean, in the 10,000 yeah. hours to mastery is not, it's not like a scientific principle, but like, you know, if you've put 10 hours into something and you put 10,000 hours into something, like the 10,000 hour result is probably going to be way better. So you haven't even gotten to the part where you should be criticizing your own work, maybe. Well, so I think there's always that myth of talent. Hmm. I don't think I don't think talent is a real thing. You don't think so? Uh uh. Mm. No, I mean like like you know you're drawing something and people are like, oh that's really good. It's it's you know you're fortunate to be so talented. No, I'm not fortunate. I just never put down the crayon when I was five. Mm. So I don't know. At, at what point do you think um, somebody can say or it's safe to say like? I have given like writing like this long good try, and no matter what I try, I still don't like it. It still sucks. Like, where is where is the point where you go? Writing is not for me. When you finish college. Okay. <laughs> that was a very good short answer. Because <laughs> I'm just like, whatever. How are you going to get anywhere in life if you can't do it till then? I don't know. Like, I think I think that's a really hard personal decision. Because I mean, like, I was when I was struggling with. Um, with writing a novel um, a couple years ago, I got to have dinner with Paolo Bascalupi, um, who won like every single prize you possibly could win for his first novel, The Wind-Up Girl. Um, and I was like, you know, how, how, how do you deal with feeling bad about what you're writing and not liking it? He's like, I finished The Wind-Up Girl and I felt like I had failed massively. And I was like, what? Because he won every single award you could. And it was just, I don't know, it was a very eye-opening experience for me to hear him say that he felt like he had failed. Hmm. And I think it's hard to, it's, it's hard to decide. I mean, like... It sounds like you're saying you should never give up then. Well, maybe because I've tried to give up a bunch of times. Yeah. And it just never seems to take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i tried to quit like three times. That's a determined me. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean it's just like I've never tried to quit. I've had sort of moments in my life where I've moved away from it, but I mean, you know, it, it, I think it draws you back in if you're if you're that person. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone asking that question would be like, "Oh, I stop. I should walk away from it." Yeah, and just that's nice to you. If, and if you're saying that, and obviously you're vested in it, and it's important to you, and you actually want to continue, and like maybe what you actually need is a writing group and some critical feedback, and to like you know read some you know how-to books and to read more great literature, because I think that's really the way to, to learn. Yeah. I guess um, think, thinking about thinking about what you said about the wind-up girl. Um, 
I think that to some degree, uh, everybody who writes, even people who write at a professional level, kind of carry forever with them this little doubt that maybe I shouldn't write at all. So I guess some some level of doubt is gonna is gonna be with you no matter how skilled you are. Maybe I don't mean that to sound nihilistic, but I just it just reminded me of this anecdote. As you know, uh, Neil Gaiman is married to Amin Palmer, the musician, and she wanted to write a book. Um, which is about her sort of being like a very ballsy person who asks for stuff and that's how she's gotten everything in her life. And so she wrote the book and then Gaiman was helping her edit it and she tweeted something to the effect of like, this resulted in screaming arguments between the two of them with Gaiman saying, I'm really good at this, goddammit, I win awards! Maybe Gaiman does not second guess himself. (laughs) Okay, that guy doesn't, but many, many writers do. (laughs) To me, it definitely is. Yeah, and typing uses a different area of your brain from handwriting. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and I mean, and for multiple reasons, in one case, uh, I for different reasons, and I think it's fate messing with it, using one of many words to use for it. My book, I have never been able to successfully finish, because it um, either the memory card breaks. Uh, that's the most common one. Uh, I accidentally deleted um, stuff like that. But each time, things change. Each time. It's not the book I started with, but I'm like, when it's done, I don't really care if other people like it. I mean, I do care, but. It's for me, and to be that one person needs it. Um, now, I'm going with it. I am taking somebody's suggestion, which I'm having fun with. Uh, somebody told me, take a step back, use the same world, but write it from a different person's opinion. And the amount of stuff I've gotten on with this, Compared to the other years, minus me losing it. So, I have gotten more information about the story set up and less than I'd say two years than I have in 15. Because I've tweaked it. Because it's always been okay, I have to put all this information in this story. No, Especially if this one, it's like I can just do this section of it. Touch on the other story, the other story, the other 
Because I know what I'm writing. Because I'm writing it for me, I'm going to finish it. If it matters for me. Other people, that's not the point. For me, it will be finished. So, yes, I have to say, and no, she didn't do it because she thought that would start my fire. She said it because that's what she truly wrote. I have a crazy thing for a librarian to say. And you yeah. know the, the writer Patricia Polacco? She writes some oh, yeah. children's books. I saw her um, in a blizzard in Michigan one time. Um, and so she's got this book that I love. It's called Thank You, Mr. Faulkner. And it's a story about a little girl who has um, extreme, and it's not just like it's not just numbers. It's it's not just letters. It's numbers. And she she's a great artist, but she she can't. She just can't. Like they, it doesn't look like anything to her. Um, and she managed. She's so smart. She managed to fake her way to fifth grade before a teacher points out, oh, you can't really read, and then gives her the intervention she needs. And uh, Polacco puts a footnote in the book, which is it's a true story, but it actually happened when she was fourteen. She managed to go until she was a freshman in high school, unable to read at all before a teacher was like, you have a problem, let me help you. And now she's a writer. So it's, yeah, I mean, I can't believe a librarian would say that. It's just such a thoughtless thing to say. Well, it was a school librarian, so I don't know if she was doing it for a fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think that another thing that can that can throw you off um, on the subject of like, when is it time to give up? Or how do I know I can't write? Sometimes you just need a small tweak to your process, or you just need to try something like a little bit different, and that like it just changes everything and absolutely helps you going. So that's that's another reason, I guess, like why everybody should write is that like there are so many different techniques that work for so many different and that maybe you just have not yet found the thing that helps you create well or that helps your story work or that like really like puts your process into high gear or helps you get out that story inside of you so like there are I mean even you know even 20 years ago there wouldn't be dictation software so that solution would not exist so like new like new possibilities what I was doing when I first started was yeah <laughs> yeah but he's known me most of us um I <laughs> I would use a recording and I would tape it and I would have I would have a friend of mine type it up for me. Okay. The only downside is everybody I know is very um, opinionated. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they put stuff I didn't type. Oh. <laughs> I didn't speak in. And then I find it and I go no. <laughs> so now that I don't have to do that, I love my Kindle. It still does that, but now it's a little bit okay. I, I, I a little less obvious. I just need to calm down. It's just not understanding. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, no, that happened more than once. Uh, I can see that for sure. So, do we have any other comments about why people should write? Have we have we discussed this part of the issue to death? Because they're alive. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I guess that can that can take us then to the second half of the panel, which was uh, or which is ways to write and get involved in writing aside from just 
I'm writing a story professionally for publication where people will pay me money. So all the different ways you can get cre your creative outlet on. Um, yes. I have a I have a, this list that I wrote up ahead of time. But do you guys want to want to start tossing out ideas? Dungeon master. Oh, oh that's yeah. A good one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Often often overlooked. That was not on my list. I you know if I had more time I would 100 percent be. Yeah, it's not changed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a friend who did a three-year <laughs> campaign, and she's saying, like, oh, it really is a book, you know? Mm -hmm. So we just, and it's, it was her own gaming system and her own world, so oh, wow. it's like, yeah, yeah. That's that's seriously pretty. Oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, with Robin, of course. Oh, Robin, Yeah, yes. she's running that yeah. campaign for years. Yeah, that's, yeah, so, um, what else? I mean, everything, I've, we talked about journaling a lot, um, and I do, and, and I don't do it as much uh, as I used to, but like dream journaling, right? So like when you wake up and then you've already got the story and then you write it down, right? So it's like the first thing you would do in the morning is write a story. It's so easy. There's there's all right. I'm just remembering that it's a, you, when you do that and then you're awake and you reread it and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would there be demon hunters yeah. folding laundry in a hotel? And I don't even remember writing it or having Well, that's your story problem. <laughs> then you need to figure out why. That's <laughs> real life problems. There's <laughs> <laughs> the opening scene and go. Problems. I mean, there's so many things like that. So, like, when I got married, my friend gave me this. I, you might have seen it. They have it at Barnes and Noble. It's like a question a day, five year journal, and it's got 365 pages, or oh, 360. And each one has a question, and then it's got five spaces. You know, it just says like two zero, and you fill in the year or whatever. And so, like, and you can see like how you might have changed over the space because I'm just, I'm just, I'm in the last six months of this journal. It'll be almost my five year anniversary. And yeah, it's great because like some of it will be like, like the question will be like, what's your favorite thing to do on a Sunday morning? And that like never changes. Like my answer, anything, my favorite thing to do on any given morning is be asleep. I don't like being awake in the morning. You know, but then other things like it'll be like who's you know who do you depend on right now, and like you can see like how that's changed uh, through the space of five years, and it can be very surprising. So that's a really cool fun. I mean, it's kind of like weird, like and now it's starting to be like oh god, it's a burden, but I have to finish this book. So um, you know, six more months I've got on it. So that's another one. Um, what else? I mean, yeah, you could publish your own zine. I mean, just. Blogging, any kind of blogging at all. Just you start doing it, people will follow you if you do it regularly, no matter how bad you are at it, which is weird, but it, it happens. Yeah. Well, what, how much of a jerk you are? Oh god, it's like the bigger jerk you are. Like the more followers you'll get. That's the world we're living in now. Like, and yet somehow we talked about you shouldn't use your writing for evil. You shouldn't. But people <laughs> do. People do. And write. I mean, you you can you can you. Do all 140 character tweets, and suddenly you ascend to the highest yeah. level of government. So yeah, that's yeah. writing for evil. Yeah. <laughs> I already mentioned fan fiction. Yeah, fan um, fiction. That's one of those like going without saying thing. Uh, how about writing and drawing web comics? Writing and drawing web comics. Yeah, that, so, so this is sort of my story, which is that I was writing novels for years and years and years and years and years, and, years and nobody cared. Oh my god. And like, I started. Okay, but her novel, her novel The Hermit, is good. My, my novel The Hermit is good, even though he found 34 typos in it. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a big, it's a book. book. It's just typos. <laughs> the Hermit by Monica Friedman. It's a good book. <laughs> However, oh, I wouldn't notice the typos. Right, exactly. <laughs> However, I 
started drawing web comics with literally no, I mean, I think I read, I read a book by Will Eisner and a book by Stan Lee. Um, and I started, and, oh, and I didn't know anything about drawing, I didn't know anything about Photoshop, I taught myself Photoshop, I taught myself digital, and I mean, and they're pretty abysmal in the beginning, and that was sort of like the gag of it, was that like, I suck, but I'm gonna get better, and it got to the point where like, more people have read one individual comic that I've written than have read like, all of my novels put together, I have comics that like, thousands of people have read, so yeah, that's like, yeah, and that was sort of sort of a shift I made a few years ago, where 